This is the Social Distance Podcast, and in this episode, I'm speaking with... That sound you can hear, by the way, is, I believe, a butcher bird. I'm recording this uh, in my backyard in Australia, in the state of Victoria. Um, today's guest is Stacey Zamet. She's a communications officer with a foundation called Land Portal, and they deal with issues of um, securing land tenure for vulnerable populations in countries all over the world. Stacey's based in Montreal, in Quebec, in Canada, and as is my custom in these podcasts, I asked her first about how things are going where she is in the city where she lives, Montreal. You know, it's a... I feel it's a little bit maybe different than in in other places because actually, you know, when we we started with sort of a lockdown, I guess I'm not sure exactly what what the proper, you know, word to use is, but in you know, here we're kind of in lockdown but we're still able to thankfully go out for walks, of course social distance walks, so I think it's like 6 feet apart and stuff. So we're still we're still able to be outside, which I know is not the case for you know, some European cities, especially, I know that that hasn't been the case. So we started off like about, I'd say six to eight weeks ago, where, you know, people were asked to work from home and just stay home unless you're going to the grocery store. And if you're just going for a walk, then that's fine. But what's been happening lately, and I think it might be due to the good weather that we've been having here, which we, I'm sure, you know, don't, don't get very much of, um, is that people have been, you know, out a lot and the cases have really spiked the past week or two. They've spiked a lot. And so it's a it's a reverse. We had like a plateau and everything, you know, was kind of plateauing and actually improving. And now we've like regressed and, and the cases are spiking. And that's specifically in Montreal or? Yeah, in Montreal, in Quebec, actually, in the yeah. province. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Basically, things were supposed to reopen on May 4th, which was yesterday. That was kind of what the the premier of Quebec was saying. And uh, and then the past week or two, the cases have really, really gone up. So that's been pushed pushed back. And so, so yeah, the cases have really, you know, kind of risen a lot. And um, and so for now, we're, they're keeping everyone at home. Everything is remaining closed kind of for for the foreseeable kind of future, yeah. So then, if the if the restrictions weren't as onerous as they were in other places, mm-hmm. have you been yeah. able to maintain a, a reasonable sort of balance in your life? Do you feel like it's been okay? It's been okay. Oops, sorry. Um, it's been okay because. Um, I have to say it's been okay because I work from home. So I, yeah. I work from home like on a on a regular basis. So in in my own life, it's I'm kind of used to this a little bit more than maybe other people are. Mm. You know, uh, so for in terms of for me, it's been okay. I'm used to staying home a little more, but um, but it's been hard, you know, because we are a winter city. So this is the time of the year when usually, you know, we're kind of enjoying sort of the outdoors a little bit more than we usually do. So it's it's a tough time, I have to say, really, you know, not I'm not just for me, but I see it for a lot of the people around me and just people here in general. I think it's tough on the winters are tough on mental health. And then now the thought of maybe not being able to in, 
enjoy the summer and the sunlight. It's it's quite I think uh, quite difficult for for people. But for me, I'm I'm still like taking walks every day and just trying to get out as much as I can, but alone, not with like so I'm not social distance walking with anybody. I'm going for solo walks just to get some fresh air and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do, do you do, do you generally enjoy spending time on your own? I mean. I do. Yeah, I, I actually have to say, so I'm, I'm one of those people that, that kind of enjoys it anyways. So it's, it's, uh, it's okay for me. So I'm, you know, I don't need to be in content, you know, kind of social interaction, mm-hmm. but I do have to say that it is a little different when you're, when you're sort of in a position where, you know, it's a little different if you just kind of want to have an evening alone yeah. or something like that. Or then, you know, when you, you can't go out to a, to a restaurant to meet family members or friends. So it's it's a little bit of a different thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about family. So so yeah. do, do you live near family and uh, have you been able to yeah. see them and sort of roughly stay in touch? Right. Yeah. So the only pe- so I live alone. So that's that's one thing. But then I've only so my father's been kind of you know sort of had some health issues on and off the past year or two so definitely I have not seen and he's fine but I definitely have not seen him for obvious reasons so I'll just like drive by his house sometimes and say hi like from my car (laughs) and he'll like stand by the window and I'll just say hi but or like wave and call him and have a conversation from my car um but but you know I've been seeing my for example my brother and my sister-in-law and my mom my mother and those are the only to be honest the only people I've been uh, seeing everyone else is kind of, and also very, very kind of, not very often, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also all home, so we're all kind of. Uh, but yeah, so anyone who's who's sort of, you know, high risk, definitely staying away from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. Uh, what about then you, you, the sort of more social aspects of your life generally? Mm-hmm. Like, like what what do you do for your for socializing. For stress relief, yeah, yeah in normal so, circumstances, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, well, for sure, for example, like my friend circle and just like my social circle has been completely, you know, we've kind of resorted to these like uh, WhatsApp calls or video calls, you All know, right. sort of every once in a while. Um but, you know, for example, just any like obviously social things have been off the table. I, I was it's interesting. I was taking a cooking class once a week and that obviously has not happened. So they've they're like finding inventive ways. I find small entrepreneurs and small businesses are so the so the person who who was, you know, conducting the cooking class is now doing it on uh, Instagram live. So on sort of social media. So that's like a good example, I think of something that was like very social that, you know, you can usually go out and do in person and kind of connect with other people. And, but it's been interesting to see how that's been like turned to kind of social media. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and and how would you, I've been asking this of a lot of people and it's, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's a very broad brush question, but I'm, I'm wondering how you, you would describe Montreal as a city under normal circumstances. Yeah, you know, that's so a if good I'm question. coming to yeah, I'm I'm coming to visit. I want to I want to get a feel for the place before I get there. What's yeah, 
What's it like? That's a really good question. I think, I, I mean, I love this city. I So like I said, I grew up here and then I left for a bit, which was great. But I it really, yeah, it gave me such an appreciation also for it. So it's a, I would say it's a, a small-ish city between like a small and medium sort of city. Um, and uh, it's very I feel that it's a very community-based city. I don't know if I'm kind of describing that well, but, um, well, especially in the summer, I'd say, like, people are out a lot. It's um, it's kind of a city, even though it's a city, it's not a town, it's kind of a city where everyone, I feel, knows someone through someone else. So it kind of has a little bit of that um, town vibe, I would say, our town kind of feeling. Um in the city, usually we have like in the in the summers we have a lot of festivals. Actually, um, like the jazz festival, I'm not sure if you know it, but it's quite a it's quite an internationally known festival. So in the summer, actually, it's a very very vibrant city with a lot of festivals and a lot of different things going on. And of course, now this year because of because of you know the COVID crisis, all of that's been cancelled. So it's quite a vibrant city for most of the year. And then in the winter, things, I would say, shut down a little more, but we still manage to have have some activities going on and still manage to kind of keep things alive, sort of. Um, But yeah, it's a very, it's a vibrant city. It's a very big restaurant scene, I would say. So, and I, you know, I don't know if that has to do with the weather somehow, but people are sort of... um, you tend to like kind of cozy up in these like small restaurants or cafes. I would say that's kind of the vibe of the city socially. People kind of aggregate in these small places and kind I of like, find their little nooks, if that makes sense, sort of. Yeah, I like the sound yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's yeah. really, yeah. So, so then, uh, um, do you have a sense of um, how things like the restaurant industry mm-hmm. itself are in in the city? are likely to fare has there been much discussion about um, ways to maintain that particularly if it's you know particularly if it's such a uh, an important part of the overall kind of cultural life of the place it is it is yeah well actually not myself personally but my a lot of my extended family is in the is in the restaurant industry and and it's been really and as i'm sure it's the case elsewhere it's been very very tough on restaurants particularly and there are a lot of restaurants in Montreal so I want to say and I'm not sure if this is exactly true but I have heard it many times that after New York City Montreal is the city with the most restaurants in North America so it's quite a first first given that such it's such a small city um it's uh quite a large number of restaurants and um and a lot of them are really having a difficult time um right now because of because of you know what i explained earlier about this that we things were supposed to open up again yesterday right now um restaurants are closed for like the the foreseeable like the near future i'd say like there's no open reopening date um a lot of them are doing deliveries i'd say in terms of government services the government has been helping a lot with like loans and um and for small businesses including restaurants uh, there's kind of like an agreement with uh, landlords Mm -hmm. where businesses only have to pay a certain percentage of their rent uh, and the government covers the rest. So the government is doing things to 
to help small business owners and and particularly restaurant owners. And you mentioned that you that you work from home. You you work as a communications officer for Land Portal. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was going to. I guess I I would get you to give me the one line description of Land Portal. So for yeah. People who aren't familiar so. With it, so. Sure. I mean, so I guess the the, the one-liner is, you know, we try to provide access to really good and reliable information um, with the goal of achieving good land governance and land rights for, for vulnerable people. So I'd say that's the one-liner. That's the simple. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, hope so. I'm the communications. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope it's a good one-liner. Yeah. yeah. If, if you don't have it, if you don't have it, nobody will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so how would you say um, typically the current um, crisis is affecting vulnerable populations? Now, I know it's different from yeah. country to country and situation to situation, but sure. it seems like there are some... Um, Similarities across different countries. Commonalities, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would say, so if starting from a very broad sense and not just having to do with land and property rights or even housing rights, just in the broad sense, I do, you know, vulnerable populations, whenever there's an, ex- I want to say the word external shock, but whenever there's some sort of, um, yeah, shock like this and and I mean so you know the COVID crisis is definitely one of those shocks but another one of those shocks could be natural disasters or anything of that nature things that are out of our control for sure vulnerable populations and and populations living living below the poverty line let's say Um, I think the difference is that vulnerable populations have a harder time bouncing back from the shocks because they don't have the resources to bounce back from the shocks. And I guess a good example would be that I think has been cited a lot and been talked about a lot is um, we've, we've even been talking about this kind of in the land rights sector and even at the land portal um, slums have been talked about a lot. So people living in slums and um, you know, for example, the idea of social distancing um, it's, you know, we, we've been saying social distancing so much, it's all over the news, but, and it's kind of taken for granted that everybody can social distance, but, you know, in a slum, it's it with, with tight, like packed quarters for, for lack of a better word, social distancing is not, is not something that can just come about so easily, or even, for example, hand washing, um, mm-hmm. hand washing for 20, 30 seconds is something that's also can be taken for granted. But if you don't, have access to enough water or clean water, then, you know, hand washing for 30 seconds is something that's a challenge. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, but, it does. But it, yeah, it, those are some of the the ways that for sure um, this is affecting vulnerable communities. Yeah. And and, and then um, sort of tied into those informal, I don't know if mm-hmm. informal settlements is the right term for Yeah, that, informal, but, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm guessing then that that sort of tied in with that, the people who live there are often involved in um, more informal work situations. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And so tend to fall through the cracks, the cracks. when it comes to yeah. government support. Absolutely. There, we just had uh, one of our partners in India uh, write an article about that exactly, um, about exactly you know what you just described that a lot of people living in informal settlements are falling i think it's about i can't remember the exact percentage but i think it's between 80 and 90 percent if i'm not mistaken that's not an exact number but 
uh, are, are working in informal work. So, so a lot of the social, the security nets um, in terms of, you know, uh, social security are not, are not there for, 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 for informal workers, of course. And they make up a big part of the, of the GDP and the economy and, uh, but the social security is not, not there for them, even in terms of, if we're talking in terms of land rights and property rights, that's not there for them as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of them are forced out of their, right now are being forced out of their their homes or, or their living spaces. And that's a big issue as well. Forced out by? Well, for example, there's a lot, I think it's in India right now also, there's a lot of kind of migration back to rural areas from mm-hmm. urban areas. Yeah. That's causing like a big kind of, uh, influx of people into rural areas from urban areas, and that creates its own set of issues as well. Just it, so it creates issues because you're um, you can be feeling fairly secure on um, a piece of property until someone arrives back in town. To see, exactly. Yeah. So that creates a whole set of other issues. Exactly. Um, if you're leaving a home in an urban area, for example, uh, you know. For, for a significant period of time, you know, exactly, can someone else, like that brings up the issue of squatters as well, or, or different, there's, there's this whole ripple effect that we're, we're only starting, you know, because this is kind of new for all of us, we're only starting to really learn about as we, as we go, as this is the case in many other, like, in, in many other sectors, but we're learning about these kind of, um, conditions as 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 we go yeah and and i guess then alongside those um more immediate concerns in the longer Mm -hmm. term yeah uh, there's such a huge upheaval or series of upheavals that um it's hard to know how things will unfold it is it is and we're just like i said we're kind of uh learning as we go and trying to sort of anticipate what the issues may be as we, as we go along, sort of, um, we're having, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but we're having, I think it's in about three weeks at the end of May, we'll be having a set of webinars kind of dedicated to this talking about not only what's going on right now in terms of the linkages between COVID-19 and different aspects of land rights, but also what the implications might be moving forward and how do we need to shift our work? How do we need to shift our support? What does that mean? Um, so it'll be a three-day three day mini conference, I should say, not webinar, but a three-day, three, three small webinars that we're turning into like a small conference. Right. Virtual, um, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 No, well, let me ask you a quick question about that then. So... C- what, what typically do you anticipate the webinar is going to be dealing with the yeah, conference? Yeah, sure, sure. So it it will take place over a series of three days, not three full days, obviously. Um, each each session will be about an hour and a half, and I, I believe the first day is going to be specifically about women's land rights and how women's land rights are affected by. Uh, by the current COVID crisis. And uh, so one way that that can, one example of a way that that could manifest itself would be, for example, with, you know, we've been hearing a lot about 
um, COVID-19 and the rise of gender-based violence. Uh, so, for example, one of the things, you know, one of the issues that we were looking into discussing is for, for women who are experiencing gender-based violence, is there, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck in their homes, is there alternate housing that they can have? Or what, you know, what are we doing in terms of their their housing needs to kind of, if, if, if they were to want to get out of that situation. So that's like, those are some of the, um, you know, some of the issues we're talking about. Some of them are quite specific. Like one of the, the questions that we were thinking of discussing is also, or that we would like to discuss is also um, women who kind of would like to make claims for their land rights going into a land, a gov- like a land office or, you know, a, an office that deals with, uh, with land records or, um, mm-hmm. you know, registry. women registry. Exa- exactly. You know, women already, um, kind of tend not to go out and, and, and let's say go to a, a registry or an office and kind of make claims for their land. But now that we're all being told not to go out anyways, is that going to, you know, for sure that'll have some effect in terms of it's of like exacerbating that already existing problem. So we're also talking about problems that, you know, issues that are already there, for example, um, but that are exacerbated by, by the crisis. Yeah. By the, um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you one, one last thing then. Um, what drew you to this work personally? Um, it's like, a, that's a really good question. I, I've always had a hard, to be really honest, had a hard time what articulating a little bit what drew me to this kind of work. But I think um, in terms of working in communication specifically in a field like land rights or, or agriculture related work, I think that I see my job, um, of course, I'm a communications officer and that's, you know, so, you know, the tasks are sometimes very um you know, what you would typically think of as, as a communications task, like writing of press releases or things like that. But I think more just a little deeper than that, I think it's important for for us to give voice to or to give a space for people to kind of voice their concerns. And so I think that working in a communications uh, kind of position is a I, I, I'm not speaking for anyone. I just think that it's, it's a good way to give anyone who wants to speak about their own kind of situations or issues a space to do that. I think the land portal does that a lot. We're trying to pass the microphone over to, to kind of either vulnerable communities or just anyone who wants to speak about their land related issues. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, And why does that appeal to you? Yeah, um, I think that, um, yeah, why does that appeal to me? I feel that, I mean, on a on a maybe deeper level, I guess I feel that it's important for everyone to have their say, sort of. I guess that would be like the, the kind of crux of it. I really feel it's important for everybody, anybody, everybody to have their say in things. Um, so I guess that's why I've, I've kind of been drawn to communications work, because I just feel like, you know, everybody should have their piece sort of uh, mm. heard yeah. in, a, in, a, 
in a in a way that's substantial and in a way that's fair sort of I guess is what I'm trying to say so um I think in my work so you know I think I want to hear from researchers I want to hear from government officials I want to hear from grassroots organizations and not only I want to hear from them but I also want other people to hear from them um uh and I want to hear from people who speak Portuguese or Swahili or I, I think it's important to 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 give everyone a space to just say whatever they want to say, regardless of that, you know, if that's about land rights and that's fine or if it's about something else and that's fine. But I think that's why communications work, I think, sometimes gets kind of I don't want to say a bad rap, but I feel sometimes people may think it's just about social media or a press release. But I think communications work is is sometimes you know it can be a lot deeper than that I think so um so yeah I I I was drawn to work for the land portal as well because I think it's like a really democratic space for to do that Stacey Zamet who is a communications officer with land portal and she's based in Montreal in Quebec in Canada 